You are listening to Kingdom Faith, where we focus on the Christian life, the good stuff, and the hard stuff. On this week's episode, we talk about the woman at the well and her experience at the well and everything you have to do at the well. We're talking about water, we're talking about food, we're talking about just about everything you could possibly talk about with the woman at the well. Phil, do you remember maybe a couple years ago where a, a member of our church was in charge of the PowerPoint and we sang the song, It Is Well With My Soul, and this particular person changed it to It Is Swell With My Soul. Yes, I do remember. I don't know if that person listens to this podcast, but if you do, I remember. <laughs> it is swell with my soul, though. It is <laughs> yeah. very swell. Um, so so ben, Ben's going to read uh, John chapter for basically the whole chapter, but yeah. not quite all of it. So 42 verses, so be prepared for that. And then he'll give us a little bit of context as well. So Ben, can you kick us off? Yeah, so there's a little bit before and there's a little bit after uh, because I think that's the best way to do it. And Phil didn't uh, say no, so that's the way we're going to do it. <laughs> so John 4, there... There's a little bit of stuff that happens before this, and some of it's important, some of it's not as important, but we're going to talk about it. So uh, the focus of John, at least these beginning chapters, are John the Baptist uh, making the way for Jesus. So uh, John opens with uh, John and who he is and how he was uh, raised in the wilderness and uh, how he was making the way for the Lord, like I said. And so this happens. They talk about John the Baptist a lot. And uh, then we're introduced to Jesus. And we see Jesus calling some of his disciples. He does his first miracle, which is turning water into wine. And uh, he he goes to Jerusalem and he drives people out of the temple. And he'll do that again later, more towards the end of his life uh, before he's resurrected. Um, But he does that early on in John as well. He, Mm. for basically the same reasons, he walks in, he's like, hey, you guys are making my father's house a den of thieves, and he whips them on out of there. Uh, So Jesus is making a name for himself. And then in chapter 3, we see this really famous uh, conversation between John and a a Pharisee. I don't know if he's a Pharisee or Sadducee, but either way, he was one of those uh, upper Jewish cast, Nicodemus. And that's where we see John 3.16, where... Jesus says, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that those who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And he also talks about being born again. And Nicodemus uh, just doesn't understand the concept. He says, he says, can I really go back into my mother's womb and be born again? And he's just really struggling, but he's curious and he wants to know. Uh, So this happens. And right after this moment, where Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus, we go into chapter 4. And so I'll go ahead and start reading and, hold, you know, fasten your seatbelt because it'll take a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we see that Jesus and the disciples are kind of getting out of Dodge because they've angered the Pharisees and they need to kind of move away to as to not uh, stir up too much trouble before it is time for Jesus to be arrested. So starting in verse 1, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees that had heard he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, though Jesus himself was not baptizing, but his disciples were, he left Judea and went uh, again to Galilee. He had traveled through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, 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 near the property that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, worn out from his journey, 
sat down at the well. It was about noon. A a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said, give me a drink, because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, she asked him, for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered, If you knew the gift of God, uh, and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Sir, said the woman, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is deep. (laughs) So where do you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. Jesus said, Everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I will give him will never get thirsty again. In fact, the water I will give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. Sir, the woman said to him, Give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and come here to draw water. Go call your husband, he told her, and come back here. I don't have a husband, the woman answered. You have correctly said, I don't have a a husband, Jesus said, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Sir, the woman replied, I see that you are our prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. Because salvation is from the Jews, but an hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. God is, in, uh, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I, the one speaking to you, am he. Just then the disciples arrived, and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. Yet no one said, What do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then the woman left her a water jar and went into town and told the people, Come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They left the town and made their way to him. In the meantime, the disciples kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said, I have food to eat that you don't know about. The disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? (laughs) Don't laugh, Phil. I'm reading. (laughs) My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus told them, Don't you say there are still four more months and then comes the harvest? Listen to what I'm telling you. Open your eyes and look at the fields because they are ready for harvest. The reaper is already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For in this case, the saying is true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you didn't labor for. Others have labored and you have benefited from their labor. Now many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of what the woman said when she testified, he told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them and he stayed there two days. Many more believed because of what he said and they told the woman, we no longer believe because of what you said since we have heard for ourselves and know that this really is the savior of the world. End of verse 42. So <laughs> go ahead, take five minutes, go use the bathroom. We made it through. <laughs> uh, there is, we're going to talk about the text a little bit, but there's a little bit of context we wanted to touch on too. Uh, Phil, do you have anything that you want to say as far as context? Do you want me to handle talking about who, like who the Samaritans were? No, you go right ahead. Okay, so... The, the Samaritans, I don't, I don't have too much, but the Samaritans were, 
where they were part Jewish and they were part Gentile, and that mm-hmm. was from intermarriage. That was from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the joining of the two groups, and they were kind of looked at as, as a half breed, which is really hard, which mm-hmm. is re- <laughs> really uh, negative, and so they were really hated by both groups. And, you mm-hmm. know, the Jews didn't want anything to do with them. The Gentiles didn't want to do want, didn't want anything to do with them, and they were just kind of stuck there. They were in their ethnic homeland and they were stuck between a rock and a hard place and that being Israel and the Gentile world <laughs> so uh, this moment and and I'll talk about the woman a little bit too but this moment where Jesus is reaching out to a Samaritan uh, is kind of big it's kind of this this weird thing because even the disciples weren't really all about the Samaritans and mm-hmm. spreading the gospel to them they thought Jesus was there specifically for the Jews and to some point he was, but we're not talking about that because Jesus obviously loves everyone and died on the cross for everyone. Mm-hmm. But there's just this display of Jesus' love for all people. So we have the woman's identity. Phil, do you want to talk about the woman's identity? If you don't, that's fine. I'm just giving you an opportunity because <laughs> I've been talking a lot. <laughs> so I'll just talk about the text here a little bit um, too. Just the just the woman at the well. So, So the woman here is... You got Jesus here. He's, he's at this well about noon um, in the day, and it says, here comes this Samaritan woman. And and for one, like you were saying, they didn't associate. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure th- there are many times where they would cross paths because to get most times when when they were moving, they were coming through this well. This like well was in the center of um, really... The plate in a lot of places, like major cities, it was a strategically located yeah. place. So there's a lot of people that would visit this well, but but here this woman's coming at a kind of an odd time in in this in this kind of world that's going on in this culture because it was hot. It was hot at noon. I mean, hot. It's it's hot at noon here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always hot at noon, um, especially in the summer. So here. Here for some reason this lady's this lady's all by herself. She's that's what the is the woman's job to do is go get the water. They did it twice a day. They do it in the morning. They do it in the evening. But there's this Samaritan woman coming uh, in the noontime, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Other than when we figure out what's happening further, um, you know, he tells her everything she's ever did wrong. Her five husbands or, mm-hmm. and all that stuff, the adultery that's going on. And, and some of those things and, and Jesus here is calling her out um, and it's it's kind of cool to see that even though most of us would run away when someone would do that but no. this this woman did it but also what I find uh, to be kind of interesting is the disciples they didn't say anything when they realized that Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman and yeah. then what's even crazier because I guess maybe we're not stressing it enough. The Jews looked at the Samaritans as as they would look at hugging a dead body. Mm-hmm. They were it was unclean. Subhuman. Yeah, they was unclean. They didn't ever ever associate with them. Um, you would look. You would get looked way way down on if you were associating with any Samaritan, especially a Samaritan woman. So, and that's kind of what this woman here is say. You know, says you know. Don't you know that I'm a Samaritan? Don't you know that I'm a woman? You know, and you know, 
you're asking me to get you something? You know, that just that was unheard of. It mm-hmm. didn't happen. But there towards the end that you read, the Samaritans asked him to stay with them for two days. Yeah. And he did. Well, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with them for two days. That would have never happened, and that would have infuriated the Jews. Um, but also, you have to think, this is also a lesson for his disciples. And we're not going to go super deep into to that aspect of it. But there is a lesson there that Jesus died for all people. Mm-hmm. And he's showing his disciples that it is everybody. Even the people who you, through time, through history, deemed to be unclean and unworthy of, of me, the Messiah. Um, you're getting a glimpse at how Jesus loves everyone. Even the yeah. woman who had five husbands. Um, I really love this story because it gives us that, you know, aspect of it. But, you know, she had to be confused. Mm-hmm. You know, I couldn't imagine, you know, you've lived your whole life. You probably haven't really associated with any Jew, maybe your whole life. Maybe there's a, a couple occasions where it might have happened. But for the most part, she probably had never really had a conversation like this. Um, with a Jewish person and and here we see Jesus really for the first time and I can't I wouldn't know the chronological order of how some of this happens but affirms 100% that he is the Messiah that Mm. he says I am he I am that person most of the time he's quoting prophecies and then closing it and walking out the door (laughs) and letting the people figure it out for themselves but here he said, no, you know, you're talking about this Messiah that's supposed to be coming or whatever, and I'm he. I'm standing right in front of you. Um, and then we know what happens through the story. But, you know, just with this text, there, there's so much in it. You yeah. got a lesson for the, the, the Gentiles, and you got a lesson for the Jews. And there's two different lessons that happen because we're going to talk, li- talk about it. We're going to talk about the living water, and this mm-hmm. living water is for everybody, but he's speaking to the Samaritan woman when he's talking about it. Then he's talking about this food, which he's talking to his disciples. He's not talking to the Samaritans at this point. He's talking with his disciples. This, yeah. is, this is why I'm here. This is the spiritual food. This is those things, and we'll talk about that. But just with this text and with these 42 verses, we know who God is. We could, we could, we could almost write the gospel down um, just by this passage, and I think that's really cool just to see that um, in this passage. And but you know, let's. I'll go ahead and let you chime in here just a little bit more, maybe about uh, the woman and, and the text that's going on as well, and then we'll go ahead and move on. Yeah, well, Phil, you already mentioned how she was probably an outcast. She was. I don't know if you use the phrase, but bottom of the totem pole. Mm. You know, the Samaritans were basically right there with the Jews. I mean, they they segregated them from each other, but at the same time, you know, like what you said, this was a major path. You couldn't get to other places without dealing with this little Samaritan town. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's little, but this yeah. Samaritan town. So, you know, it's not like they're not mixing with one another a little bit. They just hate each other. Mm-hmm. So this woman is part of a, a group of outcasts from the Jewish nation. And then she, uh, I mean, she's had five husbands. There's only so many reasons why someone has five husbands. Um, so she's likely an outcast amongst her own people. And we see that from her history and from what she's doing. So she's an outcast amongst a group of outcasts. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the totem pole. But then we see this. And a note that I saw when I talked to Phil about 
was the contrast between this section of scripture and then the section that comes right before it in John 3, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, who is this well-educated Jewish leader who is having such a hard time understanding what Jesus is saying and who he is. And we, we find out later that Nicodemus does come around mm-hmm. and he actually helps pay for Jesus' burial after his death. Uh, but in the moment, he's having such a hard time and he kind of walks away and we're unsure until later. And then Jesus talks to this woman at the well who, by all rights, should want nothing to do with Jesus just based off of his heritage. Mm-hmm. And he, she hears what he has to say and she immediately says, give me some of that water, man. Yeah. I want in on this deal. <laughs> um, zero I mean, hesitation. It, it, it's a good deal. Yeah. I mean, when you have to think that she's coming to this well every single day, mm-hmm. have to get water, and then someone tells you, I got some water, and you don't have to ever come back here. You know, uh, you know, I got this living water. And so yeah. You're never going to thirst again. You, it's all going to be good. That sounds like a pretty easy job. Um, you what, don't have to ever come to the well again. I'm sure she wanted uh-huh. some of that water. What Jesus says, whoever drinks the water I give him will become a well of yeah. water springing up. Like, she's all about it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's probably a some ignorance of what Jesus is really saying yeah. there, but there's still that willingness that mm-hmm. I'm all in. Whatever you want, I got it. And that's really cool to see. So that's what I had, Phil... We were talking about this living water. Uh, can you give us some more about that? Let's go ahead and move forward. And, and just just so that we know, we're not going to go super deep. This is more just about the text and, and sort of just what it's saying. Um, you know, there's a lot in We could do a whole thing just about living water. So I'll probably run through this fairly quick. But first of all, this living water can satisfy all of us. Mm-hmm. It's never going to run dry. Um, we're never going to thirst again spiritually. It's going to be able to su- sustain us. Um, it's going to be the one thing really in your life that is going to bring satisfaction. That um, isn't going to cause you to want and want and want. It's going to really give you that peace and that hope and that security um, in this well. And this well obviously comes from Jesus Christ. Yeah. And it's a well that, that comes out of us. And many, thing, many things come out of this living water, this living well, uh, this fountain inside of us. Like the, what I said, peace, hope, joy, those fruits of the Spirit, those things really are the things that are bursting out of this well. And, and they continue to burst if, if, we, if we allow the, this living water to work in, in us. But um, what's the coolest thing about this? It's free. Mm-hmm. It ain't got a cost. Um, it doesn't have any stipulations to it. Um, and that's the beauty of it. And I just want to read Isaiah 55 1 says, Come all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Even though you have no money, saying in this passage, come get it. Come buy it, come get it. Um, it's free. It's not going to cost you anything, and it is everything that you need. Yeah. Really, it is everything that you possibly need, and, and that's the cool thing about it. But this is also something that takes a little bit of work, not a bunch of work like what we might talk about with the food aspect of things, but with this living water. You know, it, the work that we put into it is our desire. Mm-hmm. 
we must desire after. We must want to consume it. We must want to drink from the, the living well. And that's really all the work. You, that's pr- not, not much work, really. It all comes from your heart. Yeah. And if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, you're going to want to desire after this living water that, that only he can provide. And Psalms 42.1 says, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. That's a great depiction of this living water and how we should desire after it. We, we are like animals who are thirsty, yeah. wanting a drink, needing a drink, and searching for this stream of water. And, and if we have Jesus Christ, you found it. You got it. You know, you, it's, it's the best thing in your life. And I think that's so amazing. And, and see what many of us do, and, and just to give this other side of it, we'll try to find it. The world tries to, this isn't just something for Christians, the world tries to find this living water. Now, they won't say that Jesus is this living water, or, or he gives us the living water, but they'll, they'll desire after it. They'll want the joy, they'll want the peace, they'll want the unconditional love, the, mm-hmm. the forgiveness of sins, all the things that come out of this living water. Um, they'll want it, they're going to try to search for it, they're going to do sometimes bad things to get it whatever they do but i'll i'll say this it's not that hard to get because i told you it's free it doesn't cost anything it's right there and god freely give, offers it to us the woman didn't really have any stipulations to get this living water other than come get it yeah he says come to me i'll, I'll give it to you and jeremiah two thirteen says my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can't hold water. And many times, even Christians um, and, and, and those who are lost in the world will try to dig their own wells. They'll try to dig them. They'll try to find the best spring, um, the, the, the most filtered spring, the best thing that they can get. <laughs> And even, even if they would strike water, it wouldn't be as good as God's cistern, God's well, God's fountain. Um, and once a Christian begins to understand that, the Christian life doesn't have to take as much effort as, yeah. as what it would if you're trying to do everything yourself. God doesn't want you to do everything yourself. He wants you to rely on Him to give you water, to give you food, to give you uh, satisfaction, to, to do those things for you. And with that, with that passage that I read in Jeremiah 2, you know, that's the two sins that, that Israel commits. Is they've forsaken God, and they're trying to do it all on their, their own. They're, mm. they're trying to, to dig it. They're trying to find it. And he says who he is. He says, I'm the, the spring of living water. I'm the stream of living water. And um, that's something that we have to understand with the living water. But to sum all this up, and, and hopefully you've already concluded that from the things that I've said, Jesus Christ himself is living water. If you have Jesus, you have living water. And this is what he's saying to the woman at the well. Hmm. Come to me. I got this water. I got water that doesn't make you thirst. And, And there probably was a little bit of not quite understanding what he's talking about. She's probably taught thinking more literal than what Christ is saying spiritually but it still if she still comes she still gets that water and then we begin to maybe understand the living water more and more every day i i still don't quite understand what all comes out of this living water but i know i have it i know i'm secured in it um so that's the cool thing but i want to just read 
the prophecy in Zechariah, just 13, 1. There's more in, in chapter 13 about uh, the Messiah, about who Jesus Christ says he is here. But it says, um, On that day a fountain will be opened to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from sin and impurity. Mm. That's Jesus. Jesus is that fountain that has come. They're not, the Jews aren't still waiting for it. The Samaritans here aren't still waiting for it. It's come. And that's what Jesus here is saying to, to the woman at the well. I am he. Yeah. So, so Ben, um, that's just, you have anything else to add to the living water? I do, but it can go along with the food as well. Because uh, okay. You go, okay, I'm going to take over. Because, Phil, I, I wanted to ask you, and this is new, so prepare yourself. <laughs> Phil, I wanted to ask you if you could maybe think about the difference between hunger and thirst. And you don't need, I can be rhetorical, I can keep going. So when when I'm hungry, I feel it in my gut. But when I'm thirsty, I feel it in my throat, in mm-hmm. my mouth. Mm-hmm. Like I know that I'm thirsty, but I'm feeling it in more places than just one. Yeah. But I would also say with that is you can you can last quite a while without food. Mm-hmm. You can't last that long without mm-hmm. water. You can't last that because your mouth becomes dry. Your throat really feels like it, like you said, it tightens up. Yeah. You feel it. Um, our bodies begin to ache and because we need water to survive. I, I remember I used to get dehydrated all the time as a kid, all the time. Yeah. Um, so that is a, that's a good way to maybe look at it for mm-hmm. sure. But I would definitely say I would rather be hungry than, than yeah. thirsty. And that's that's a good point too. The idea of of hunger being able to last longer than thirst, because really, when I think about the difference between this living water and this food Jesus is talking about, it's it's the idea that uh, the food involves labor. You know, mm-hmm. you you can't eat without laboring. Uh, I mean, you can, but it's not very good. Like, yeah. <laughs> even even if you go pick a fruit off the tree. You know, to eat, you still have to go pick the fruit mm-hmm. off the tree. But with with water, you, it's like what you said. There's no labor involved. There's no payment involved. You just go find a stream, and you drink from it. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is the right stream. Sorry, that might be a little bit of a tangent. That's just that got thought got stuck in my head, and I need to get it out of there. So this food, uh, this is kind of a weird one. Uh, the disciples thought it was weird too yeah. so at least we're in good company before before you start this is one of my favorite parts in this passage where they <laughs> where they go have got their, Jesus probably sends them to go get uh-huh. some food for all of them so they all get they went to the store they're, they're getting the food and Jesus basically said oh I've already eaten I am the food right and then they're, they're thinking in their head who gave him some food and they're like what the heck Jesus <laughs> you sent us to go get some food what's going on uh, but that's just what I wanted that is one of the, my favorite parts. yeah so uh, Jesus talks about this idea of let me let me pull out the verses he says uh, he says uh, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And then they said, could have someone have brought him something to eat? And then Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. So Jesus is really talking about doing the will of the Father, spreading the good news, bringing everlasting life of giving that living water. 
And uh, like like I said, it's weird, it's strange, but it's it's good. This idea that Jesus is nourished by his ministry. Mm-hmm. So I just picked a couple other verses just to talk about where Jesus mentions this same thing or the same kind of ideas going yeah. on. And the first one is Jesus being tempted by the devil. So the devil, the first thing the devil says after Jesus has fasted for 40 days uh, out in the desert, he says, you know, if you're the son of man, why don't you turn those rocks into bread so that you can eat? And Jesus says, man must not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Phil, he is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. Deuteronomy 8.3. So uh, Jesus is, is nourished by the word of God. He has food that the devil doesn't know about. Yeah. And then we go on where Jesus is later, we'll fast forward to the Last Supper, and Jesus is now kind of giving this idea, this concept to the disciples and to us. He says, uh, well, you know, the Last Supper, and uh, Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and he gave it to the, to the disciples and said, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And I'll go ahead and read the part about the blood as well. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. So Jesus is about to undergo the greatest sacrifice, and he's about to fulfill his ministry, what God has called him mm-hmm. to do, his, his death on the cross. And uh, his body is nourishment to us. His sacrifice is nourishment to us. And, and, and that might be a, a gap to jump to connect these two different thoughts, but I thought it fit well, this idea that we, we're not just nourished by regular food, we're nourished by the Word of God and by following in Christ's example of ministry. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to mention about this food, uh, Jesus talks about how that the reaper's already receiving pay and gathering fruit for eternal life. One sows and another re- reaps. The disciples don't know it yet. But in a couple minutes, it might probably longer than a couple minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but they're getting ready to partake of the harvest of this whole town yeah. because the Samaritan woman is going and sowing the word of God yeah. that Jesus just sowed into her, and mm-hmm. they're about to all be harvested. And there's just this really great moment where Jesus just like sets it up. Mm-hmm. He's like, "The harvest is ready, guys!" And then here comes this whole town, ready to accept the living water. Mm. I think that's really great. Yeah. But Phil, that might not be as much as what you wanted to say. Is there anything you wanted to mention to the food? Um, just, you know, the, no, that's, I mean, that's right on the nose, you know, to doing the will of God. The will of God is our, is our food, and, and obviously you got to be studying your Bible. you got to be praying on a daily basis because we eat on a daily basis. We, we need our, our spiritual bread. We need the, our spiritual food, and... Um, the Deuteronomy chapter eight, um, it's basically just talking about when when God uh, has manna rain down, and and he's that was to show the the Israelites that uh, you know our food comes from God, mm-hmm. you know, and they were getting literal food, but he says that's and then that's when Jesus quotes the passage, you know, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God, and and when we have to understand that our our, the living water, who is Jesus Christ, and the food, that's the will of God, combine into one. Yeah. We, we eat them and we, we partake of it at the same time. We need, we, we need Jesus to experience the food. We need the living water to experience the food. And obviously that 
might not seem like they go together, but they do. You got your glass of water and you got your food at the same meal. Mm-hmm. It's all at the same meal. So, so knowing that, uh, you know, that, that will of God, doing what God calls you to do, whatever God's, whatever God, you know, whatever the purpose that God has for you, that is your nourishment. Yep. That's the thing you draw from. That's the thing that you let uh, nourish your life and continue to keep you going and, and, and to keep you steadfast. That's that's that food. But, um, I mean, that's it. I mean, that's your Christian life, really. Now, there are other things, obviously, that we've already talked about. There's some more harder things in life that you're going to have to deal with. But if, you, if you're a Christian and you cling to your living water, you cling to your, your spiritual food, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. You'll, it might feel hard or whatever, or you might not feel like you got enough, but you got enough. If you just cling to those two things, but I want to, let's move on to our last point yep. here. I don't want to stay too long on this, but um, we're just talk about this joy that it produces, and we talked a little bit about it. Um, but this joy is the same joy that overflows out of this woman. This woman goes to her town, a town where she's completely, probably despised, just because she's a Samaritan and the Jews, you know, hate them. They still didn't see adultery and, yeah. and having five husbands as an okay thing. That was that was not okay. I mean, they still really had the same sort of the same ideas as the Jewish people. They just the Jews just thought they were half breeds and mm-hmm. they just didn't think that they were they were good. So. Um, it, this joy should should cause us to to rejoice and tell our whole town. And, you know that's a scary thing, but you know this woman does it. This woman goes and tells it everybody who probably doesn't really care for her that here's a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be him? Could this be the Messiah? Yeah. And they were like, well, let's go find let's go out. Go find out. <laughs> and they find out, and, and and it's really really cool. But here, just briefly, it. This joy produces the greatest endurance for the Christian life. This joy that's talked about through the New Testament is the joy that sustains us. Mm. It's the joy that comes out of living water and our spiritual food. And it continues to allow us to run the race with endurance. Um, and that's the beauty of it because you, you feel like you're doing the will of God. You feel like you're, you're clinging to the living water. Uh, and, that's, and that's beautiful. But I want to mention this one thing. This woman got a new reputation yeah. by trusting in the living water, even though she probably didn't fully understand it. She gets a new reputation because of her testimony. Now, now not only she's not remembered for you know the woman having five husbands, she's remembered for the woman who came and told us about the Savior of the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the coolest thing that comes out of this passage is a woman's life is changed because she had a personal encounter with the messiah and and if you're a believer you too have also had a personal encounter um so ben do you have any final thoughts yeah phil this was something i was going to mention earlier but i moved it to my final thoughts and and that's this idea that the the this spiritual water this living water and this this food it is not just a temporary idea it's an eternal idea because we, we look at Revelations 22, and uh, it, it, it says that he showed me the river of the mm-hmm. water of life, clear mm-hmm. as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the city's main street, the city being a heaven of mm-hmm. New Jerusalem. Uh, the tree of life was on each side of the river. 
bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing, is, are for healing the nations. So this concept of, of spiritual living water and of, of food is eternal. Mm-hmm. It's, gonna, it's here now and it's here then. And so we should get used to it and we should study it more. Uh, I think that is my final thought. Just this idea that Jesus is introducing us to heaven here on earth. Mm-hmm. And we should live into that, uh, that victory. Um, so I'm going to let my final thought be our weekly verse because I think it speaks pretty well of the passage. It speaks pretty well of what we need to do and, and, and what we ought to do and how great it, it is for our lives. So our weekly verse is John chapter 4, 13 and 14, which says, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. All right, well, that concludes the episode for this week. If you would like to leave us a comment or a request for an episode, send us an email at kingdomfaith2001 at gmail.com. And thank you for listening.